Welcome to The Curiosity of A Child This episode we are Oh thank you, thank you <laughs> I wasn't expecting that Absolutely fantastic, wow um, Well <laughs> What do I say, was that just for me Or was that for you too Anton? Uh, I hope it was for both of us <laughs> Probably after our interview on BBC Radio Guernsey The other day mm. um, Yeah sorry, um, let me regain my focus Yeah um, This episode we've got a very exciting interview Don't we Anton? Uh huh. Who did we interview? We spoke to Tim Brown from the Paranormal Intelligence Gathering Service, or PIGS. <laughs> and he, um, he doesn't really like to call himself a ghost hunter, but that's what we're calling him. And we had a great time talking to him about his experiences, didn't we? Yeah, he was really nice and he spoke very well um, as well. And he sent us some EVP recordings, didn't he? He has, yeah. So we're actually going to listen to those next time. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, so EVP is electronic voice phenomena, which he mentions um, during the interview, which is coming up next. We are really pleased to be joined by Tim Brown here, who is a paranormal investigator. And um, would you like to introduce yourself, Tim, and just tell us a little bit about you and um, what you do, please? Mm, of course. Uh, well, hi, my name is Tim Brown, as uh, as I've just been introduced, <laughs> introduced with. <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose you could, some people call it paranormal investigation, some call it ghost hunter. Um, to be honest, I don't know what I call it, <clears throat> because um, I got into doing this quite a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's kind of a, whenever you use the terms ghost hunter or paranormal investigator, I think I think people will end up with a different idea about what it is that you you do. Not all of it good. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. so. I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> so I tend to, uh, I tend to not really brand, not really brand it to be, be honest. But um, in a nutshell, um, it's looking for evidence of ghosts. Uh, I mean, we all like a good ghost story, mm-hmm. um, or, or most of us, and um, and so it's looking for evidence as as to what what could possibly support that as a fact uh, or is it just a you know a, an urban legend as such yeah so how did you get into it what kind of sparked your interest or curiosity i think what well, i've as a even as a young child i've always had a whole load of ghost books to read mm-hmm. um so i was always in you know interested uh, but i think it, it all came to to a head back in um the probably the early 90s when I went to do a photograph I was trying to take some nighttime photography uh back in the days when cameras had films and stuff <laughs> yeah uh, yeah and then I was I was trying to do some long exposure shots and I went to a place called Preston Manor in Brighton and I was just taking some some photographs around you know and there was all of a sudden I had a terrible um feeling that I was being watched and I thought oh well it is kind of night time and and perhaps the neighbours are thinking I'm taking photographs because I plan on burgling the place or something <laughs> yeah. so so and I know and I felt a little bit ill because I thought well maybe that's down to not having any tea and you know and all that sort of stuff so I carried on with my, my photographs and I, as soon as I left 
the the manor's grounds, I felt perfectly fine again. Mm. Now, a couple of weeks on from there, I had the photographs developed. And there was one particular picture which was really strange, and I couldn't quite make it out to start with. Yeah. And I kept looking at this picture. And then it's one of those things that once you see it, you can't unsee it. There's, there's a figure stood there uh, in my photograph mm. with like, uh, you can see the, his face and his shoulders. And he's, he looks like he's holding like a World War One gun or something with yeah. the, like the butt on the ground, you know, standing like a soldier. And there's like a, there's a kind of image of a dog behind his leg. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. So I went and I, and I went back to the manor to try and place where it was that I took this photograph. Mm-hmm. And when inside the manor, now inside the manor, it's, it's now devoted to, as, as a museum to a, the Stanford family. And there's a picture of Via Stanford in his first war, World One oh. war uniform with a gun, exactly as I take, take, take the picture, yeah. with the butt on the ground and a dog next to him. That's freaky. I bet you no. got goosebumps How when you saw that. <laughs> I know it was well. It was a bit of a yeah. It was a bit strange. But then I thought, well, this taking pictures of ghosts is pretty easy, isn't it? So from then on, I started going off looking for ghosts. Oh, brilliant! Um, awesome. Yeah, that's, so that's how I got, that's how I kind of got into it, just by taking some photographs. Yeah, really good. Actually, I remember um, I was about Anton's age, and. Um, one of my friends from school, he had borrowed his parents' camera or something, and we went to take some photos near where I lived. Unfortunately, we didn't find anything, but just that whole experience, because we, I was really excited, well, I still am kind of excited in the same way and interested in kind of, um, are, are ghosts real? I mean, there's there's so many people who have these similar feelings and different cultures all around the world as well. So I don't know if it's uh, mm. going to be an actual kind of, spirit of somebody's departed or if it's something else or if it's just something to do with the human brain i mean there's so many well it is it is a very interesting subject i mean talking to uh, dr kieran o'keefe i don't know if you're familiar with him no. he he's a scientist that studies studies parapsychology um and he's he specializes in the paranormal aspects of stuff and he was saying that you know there is lots of study around but the, the one debate that we had was, you know, we, we didn't disagree that ghosts were real. Mm. But what are ghosts is the is the point. You know, is it is it the uh, great great grandma from 1856? <laughs> yeah. Or is it something, you know, like you like you mentioned, something that triggers in your mind that you think you see and you don't see? Or, mm-hmm. or is it something atmospheric or, you know, whatever it is? But it's still it's still fascinating. But even you know even science is, doesn't really deny that the existence that people have experiences exactly uh, with ghosts. Yeah, yeah. Um, so where do you kind of sit on the spectrum of? Are they believing the most sort of what people would call maybe extreme beliefs, or are you more on the skeptical side, or or where where do you find yourself? And also the organisation, are we the different members? Yeah, well, I think I think for me personally is that. <clears throat> I've seen some pretty weird stuff. Yeah. So I, I would have to say I am a believer. Mm-hmm. However, I'm always sceptical when someone gives me a story, tells me about a ghost in their house or an experience they've had. Not sceptical along the lines that I don't believe what they're saying, but sceptical that perhaps it isn't a ghost and there's some other explanation for mm-hmm. it to happen. We looked at your website um, and some of the videos, which I think speak to Anton about it a bit. Um, and 
uh, like the different equipment you're using. So you're, you're trying to find all different ways of measuring what's going on there and get an understanding of what sort of phenomena might be creating that, whether it's going to be just people maybe feeling spooked because they're in a dark environment and they've been kind of primed for it, or is there something else going on? Is there actually going to be, I know, maybe uh, some sort of disembodied spirit there? It's one of those, the thing is, <clears throat> the it's, you can, uh, I think there's no, there's no particular rules to investigating ghosts because, you know, you've got to try everything you possibly can mm-hmm. and uh, to see where it goes and to see what sort of results you get, if any, from doing various experiments. And there's, you know, there's the traditional, when we do the ghost events, etc. there is traditional things like uh, glass moving or yeah. Ouija boards or yeah. um, automatic writing and those sort of things. And they're fascinating. The results can be fascinating, but unfortunately they don't really stand up as any kind of evidence mm. because there's always the point, you know, when, when you're touching something, there's always the point that potentially, whether you're aware of it or not, you may have moved it intentionally or not. And therefore <clears throat> that's what triggers a trigonometry effect where a group of people touching a planchette on an Ouija board, someone may move that. Then someone who's across the other side feels it moving towards them and they're, just by reflex may mm-hmm. move their hand which then causes another movement and so it rolls on however saying that there's you know there has been some quite fascinating results from the Ouija experiment so I can't write it off as as a nonsense because it's there's some amazing things come from there you know things that, that people have had experiences and information come through that no one could possibly have known mm-hmm. uh, yet it comes through from the Ouija board so as much as I say, it's, you know, you can't, I don't personally think it can be stand up as evident, but saying that on the other side, there is information that can come from it, which is very odd. I think, I think when it comes down to evidence these days, it's got to be something replayable. It's got to be something either audio mm-hmm. that people can listen to. It's got to be something in a photograph that people can see, or it's got to be something on video that people can watch. Um, and that's that's what you've got to try and get if you wanted to try and collect evidence to prove anything. Right? You'd have to do that. But unfortunately, all three of those mediums can be manipulated so, so in this day and age that basically everybody is a skeptic. Yeah, I guess that's the default position of a lot of people now, obviously, particularly with how good special effects are getting and even um, sort of basic editing software. Yes, kind of a, anybody can actually do a reasonable effort at. Um, kind of and, and I, and, you know, phone apps, mm. phone apps as well. There's even app, ghost apps that you can you can put ghosts anywhere you like in any photograph. Yeah, and some of them look really good. You know, it's, so it, it's a it's a very hard thing to you know to come up with that. So I think where we kind of tend to go these days with this now is is about when we do the public events. Mm. It's about trying to do things along the lines of. As, a, as you know, there'll be a, a group of people there. So we'll work as a team. We'll do lots of different experiments and we'll see what comes from any of it, traditional and modern stuff. We'll see what comes from it. Um, <clears throat> you know, but I think at the end, we're not trying to prove anything to anyone. We're just there and, uh, having fun, if you like, you know, and, yeah, and, uh, yeah. and you know, doing an event that everyone's hoping, hopefully enjoying. <clears throat> so... Speaking of the events, um, you've done some over here in Guernsey as well. I think it was the Myers Battery recently, wasn't it? And also the Underground Hospital. 
yes, we've done we've done the, uh, the 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 last one last weekend. We was at the Myers Battery, mm-hmm. um, but uh, we did the Underground Hospital a few weeks before that. Okay. But we've done we've done we've done the Underground Hospital. We've doing we've been doing several events there now since I think two thousand nineteen or eighteen or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and previous to that, we did a different Myers. Uh, back in 2009 and 2010, 2011. So we're quite familiar with the Myris um, aspect and the layouts and stuff. But it was, you know, it's, an, it's, it's, it's so unique to go to be able to see these, these um, fortifications in, in the way that they are, you know. And on the, yeah. on, you know, in, in the mainland, we don't have any of those type of fortifications so it was. It was really not. It's always, a, you know, a, uh, such a such a great experience to be able to come to Guernsey and and see some of the history from the occupation. <coughs> yes, actually, just so yeah. We <coughs> sorry. Carry on. Sorry, no, go on. Carry on. I was just going to say for anybody who might be listening to this and don't know what the underground hospital is or the Myers Battery, they were um, German fortifications built during the Second World War um, here on Guernsey. So the underground hospitals, I think it's nearly seven thousand. Uh, square meters of kind of tunnels and things in there. It's the largest bunk in the Channel Islands. I think you know a bit, don't you, Anton? Um, yeah, it was dug uh, with slave labor, and some of the people died like digging it out, and their bodies were actually buried in the walls. So that could be some of the ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, now I would have to come in and <clears throat> and just interject there because the <laughs> the keepers of the underground hospital Festun Guernsey um, are are very keen that there's no there's no bodies in the wall okay yeah <laughs> um I, you know so but you're absolutely right it was it was what they called uh, forced labor or slave labor that they used to to dig out these enormous in, uh, places uh and their you know their working conditions was well terrible uh and you know lots of lots of them suffered immensely having to build mm. these fortifications on the island and they were largely eastern europeans i believe yes yeah that, that they made build them but yeah it's it's you know it's from that it's part of that history isn't it and it's it's as, as horrid as it is it's what happened with the slave labor and the people who were there um kind of being forced to work in those conditions because there were people who died during the building of it i think there was an explosion which killed 17 um people i think they were french actually those ones and other people who, yeah, there are accidents during the building process. Um, and I think it was also used during, um, after D-Day, so the Germans took their casualties to the hospital. It wasn't used that long as a hospital, but there was an X-ray um, place in there, the operating theatre, there's a mor- uh, mortuary and all sorts. It's a really unique place. I mean, you, you can't help. We walked around it, like, we went to visit it last weekend, just have a walk around. Mm. <clears throat> and you can't help but walk around there and just be somber about it it's so you know it's such a it's such an an amazing building yet it's such a a shocking place at the same time you know yes i think they found it wasn't particularly good as a hospital um these these conditions they're not really conducive to uh, to getting better interestingly enough they gave probably more space to the ammunition storage part (laughs) yeah hospitals built on the end yeah um, and then actually that, that brings me on to something where, so when you are doing your investigations, so you've got your, your, your different equipment, and I think one of the things you look for is infrasound, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, there's, 
there's a lot of things. The infrasound can have effects on, on people. Now, when it comes to public events, you, you, you're more aware of it than, than anything else. But if someone was saying to you, you know, about the phenomenon in their house, for example, then infrasound would play a part of that because infrasound can make you feel, um, you know, pretty awful if, you, mm -hmm. if you're submitted to, to it. It's like a, vib a vibration that you will be sub subject to that you cannot hear. So you don't know it's a sound, but it is actually a sound. Yeah. Um, and it can some of the some of the symptoms, if you like, that people say that they, they suffer when they're experiencing haunted locations or ghosts are nausea, dizziness, <clears throat> paranoia, feeling of being watched. Uh, you know, all of those things. But that can all be caused by infrasound as well, mm -hmm. if it's the right frequency. Yeah. So, but the other the more interesting part of that is so we we explore. You know, one of the one of the experiments we do is to try and make sound recordings of people that aren't there so we'll ask us we'll ask a question and we'll we'll wait for an answer and hope hopefully you know we're, we're essentially we're, we're asking a ghost to talk to us and we're using you know modern day recording techniques to do that yeah that's the evp isn't it yeah evp that's yeah. exactly it now where infrasound comes into this is that obviously as humans our sound spectrum what we can hear is fairly narrow to what the actual sound spectrum is so there's lots of frequencies below what we can hear and above what we can hear. So the idea is to try and be able to tap into those and scale them in such a way that we can actually hear them um, and therefore to see if there's any ghostly responses come from those frequencies outside of our hearing range. Yes. Um, do you think that maybe with the type of structure something like the underground hospital is, um, it's a very echoey location with the big um, concrete walls and probably surrounded by granite and everything. Do you think that maybe that environment would actually produce natural kind of infrasound or low tones, which might also add to the it's, experience? It's always it's always possible because the whole place, you know, one sound will boom around it the mm. whole the whole location. <clears throat> However, generally, I find with infrasound, you have to have a cause of it. Yeah, and you know, there is no heavy traffic close to it mm -hmm. i think the closest thing that's heavy is probably the airport and <laughs> yeah. that's a long way away yeah um <clears throat> unless of course you know you might have some kind of um uh, seismic kind of rumblings from the, you know the the very foundations of guernsey maybe yeah. as it slides around on the on the plates but uh -huh. other than that we did we did look for infrasound inside and we didn't come across anything okay so but it, it's not to say it was never there it's possible of course yeah Actually, we watched just before the call. Um, we watched uh, what one of the highlight videos from the underground hospital. And uh, Anton, what did you think of that? Um, I, I got a little bit scared with some of them, <laughs> but I did quite enjoy it. I quite liked when um, you're talking to the um, uh, ghosts as well, and then you would come back and see if they said anything or if they made any uh, noises. Um, and there were a couple of bits where people were standing in a circle um, and they were talking, like, did, did you feel anything or did you hear anything or can you see something? Um, and some people would get a little bit like, oh, what's this? I'm a little bit scared here. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's true. And one to remember is, because those videos, you can see the picture, but for the people that are there, mm. it's completely pitch black. <laughs> You know, because obviously you're watching an infrared camera that can see in the dark, but for the people there, it's totally pitch black. <clears throat> um, yeah, I think 
when it comes down to, you know, they're asking the questions at the time, they won't be able to hear any responses. But the joy, of course, with the video is it has the soundtrack. Yeah. That we can go through very carefully and pull out anything that, that they may have missed. Um, yeah, it's, and of course, the, the point of the highlight video is, is simply to bring back to them so they can see the results of the various experiments that they did and, you know, and, and show them show them you know, a bit of a memento really as well for their night that they spent looking for ghosts yes yeah um i saw as well that you uh you have case studies after the events of what different people felt and kind of their experiences so you can collate all that data and uh would, it, would you be looking for patterns one of the fascinating things is when you get consistency if you have you know over the years i think we've done done a growth hospital probably three or four times now <clears throat> and if you Suppose we're in one particular area and people were saying, oh, I, I, I've got a feeling there's someone called, I don't know, John here. Yeah. And, you know, John crops up. So we, that gets recorded and written down. And obviously it'd be researched to see if we can link John to this mm-hmm. particular area or the underground hospital. But then on the next investigation, we've still got all that information from the first one. So if someone then says, oh, there's someone called John, that will get written down again and it will then get added. So what we're looking for is consistency of the characters that people pick up on yep. to see if there is any consistency. And there is a, there is a little bit there, actually. There's some quite okay. interesting stuff. Yeah, so it'd be like um, kind of any experiment that would be done. It's Again, it's, like you said, uh, that repeatability or actually being able to layer and layer more evidence on to build up a, a stronger case. Yeah, totally. I mean, and some of the things that people experience, you know, may not be names and stuff, but they might have sensations mm-hmm. or they might pick up on smells and stuff. I mean, <clears throat> the, the one where they go to the mortuary area and they start talking about disinfectant or iodine or, or those sort of aromas. I mean, obviously yeah. it's probably suggestive because it's a, it says mortuary on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, it, but, you know, it's one of those things that people do talk about. And they, so we, we write that down and, and, it, and that, that gets added to the consistency list as well. Mm-hmm. So there is, the, there, is the, there is the opportunity for things to be suggestive in that, in that particular way. But, you know, you have to just take it and bear it in mind and, yeah. you know, and keep going. I think, I think for me, um, regardless of what it is, even if it is people being suggested, I still find that incredibly interesting as if that's just the way that people's brains are working, there's still something going on there, which maybe we don't properly understand or it's so subconscious that it's, it's really interesting anyway, because I, I really want there to be more than just suggestion. I, I, I love the Ooh. idea that there are ghosts and there is kind of more out there that we don't fully understand. So it's a really exciting, interesting idea. Well, I'll tell you something quite fascinating that happened last weekend at Myrus. Uh-huh. And there was one of the guests said, what happened to the gun? And as far as I was aware, the guns were removed <clears throat> for scrap metal or they were ditched off somewhere. Um, but the per- some, another person lives in Guernsey says, oh, no, I don't think they were. I think they were something else happened to them. Anyway, in the same vigil experiment that we were doing, <clears throat> someone, we, one of the questions are, you know, can you tell me your name to the ghosts, etc.?" And I said to the, I said to the visitor, you know, one of the experiments we'll do is, what names do you come up with? What, what can you sense? And mm-hmm. it was really fascinating that three people of the eight said Peter and the rest of them said Joseph, right? So just two names out of all those people. Yeah. And it was, you know, you just said, okay, that's interesting, but <clears throat> you can't really pin it to anything. But when we went back to our hotel 
the next day, one of the guests was talking to the chap at the front desk of the hotel and asking a very same question about this gun. And it just so happened that his great grandfather <laughs> had that gun cut into three pieces and taken to a shipyard yeah. in Guernsey. And it was used as a roller to roll out steel. And okay. guess what the guy's name was at the front desk? Peter? Peter Joseph. Peter Joseph. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh... that's yeah, that was a bit of a weird one. So, yeah, coincidence maybe, but very strange all the same. Yeah, mm. definitely. Wow. Um, if Anton and I were looking to go ghost hunting, just in a very amateur way, just our first introduction, what would your tips be for us? I mean, what sort of equipment would we need... I mean, can, can we just go out with like an app that records um, sound and we've got a little um, infrared camera? And I mean, what, what would you suggest to us? Okay. <clears throat> okay. Well, I think the first thing you need to do is find somewhere to go. Yes. So find an interesting ghost story that is fascinating and then find, go and have a look around in the daytime so that <laughs> you're aware, you're, you're, so that you're familiar with the location and, mm. you know, stuff. And then you can go back later in the evening and, and conduct your ghost hunt. Essentially, all you need is something to take photographs with, or if you want to do sound recordings, something to make sound recordings with. Yeah. All you've got to do, really, is, is if you're looking to collect evidence and data, you're just looking for, you know, if you was to go without any equipment, what would you, what would you do? You'd go there and you'd listen and you'd what, look. So if you want to collect evidence, you need something that can record either visual or audio. <clears throat> okay. When it comes to all the other stuff, like the EMF meters and all that, I'd say at this point in your ghost journey, don't worry about all that. Yeah. <laughs> Just have fun. Just have fun going out looking for ghosts, taking as many photographs as you possibly can and, and making sound recordings. But keep the sound recordings to about two minutes long mm -hmm. because at some point you're going to have to listen back to these and they get quite boring. <laughs> you've got like a 15 minute, 15 minute clip of nothing. Yeah. Okay. Um, actually, with taking photos, do you think there's any difference between, like you mentioned earlier, taking photos on film to kind of modern digital cameras? Do you think uh, where there was like a physical medium um, in, the, in the film that they'll be different to electronic? Yes, <clears throat> there is. Um, the, the way, obviously, the way the camera operates is different uh, in terms that when the shutter opens, it hits a light sensor on the digital ones, and then that's sensitive to the light and creates the photograph in pixels. Mm -hmm. But they also do other stuff with that, like circles of correction and all sorts of strange yeah. stuff. Yeah. And then you have the traditional camera, which is just basically a shutter that opens, light hits the film, creates the photograph, and that's it. Um, you don't get orbs or as anything like the anything, you know, as many orbs, what people describe as orbs, ghosts, mm -hmm. etc., on cameras with film, interestingly enough. Okay. Um, you, you tend to get them more with digital cameras. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and which leads me into saying orbs, most likely dust, moisture and insects. Mm -hmm. So don't get too distracted with all that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, that's probably the biggest difference. The biggest difference you find in the camera is, is actually the lens. Mm. If you, you've got a nice a nice lens on a the camera, then you'll get you know nice photographs. If you've got um, you know if it's a, a kind of a bottom end kind of type affordable camera, then you tend to get more orbs and things in the photograph. So uh -huh. you know it's, it's 
it, 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 it does, but it, so for the sake of it, it doesn't really matter. You just got to go and take a load of take a load of photographs. Yeah, yeah. Start That's the key. Take as many as you can. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Why are ghost hunts usually carried out at night time instead of uh, in daylight? Well, you know what? That's an excellent question yeah. because statistically, eighty percent of ghosts are seen in the daytime. Okay. But the reason it's conducted at night is largely because um, people are more, um, you know, a little bit more excitable at <laughs> night time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a bit more, at the end of the day, when we're doing public ghost hunts, it's got to be, it's got to be entertaining as well. We want it yeah. to be, you know, it has to be a little bit scary and all that sort of, not too scary, of course, but, you know, a little <laughs> bit scary. So they're done at night time for, for, because it's dark. And obviously, and another sign is, you know, the world is a lot quieter at night than it is in the daytime. And so when it comes down to trying to make sound recordings and things mm. like that, then it's a lot better to do in the evening than it is in the day. Um, I suppose, you know, and generally people are not working. So, <laughs> so it's a good <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, from that aspect, it's good as well. Okay. Um, what would you say... What's the best evidence you found? What would you say the best evidence for ghosts is? Um, are there any real standout kind of cases? And I think um, for me, the best the best evidence that I've ever collected as personally came from Myrus. Mm. And we made sound recordings over several uh, several events over a few years, and. We were astounded that we we got people talking to us in yeah. response to our questions, and there were the, the answers were in correlation to the question, uh-huh. and the voices were Eastern European, and yeah. we had a German, a couple of German voices too, um, but we didn't know that when we first recorded these, we didn't we knew they were built from you know forced labour and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. We didn't know they were they were Eastern European prisoners. We didn't do, we didn't even think of that. But so when we got these Eastern European accents, it was a bit confusing to say, well, what are they, what is this? Where did these come from? <laughs> yeah. Um, and obviously then through more research, we've got it. But there's some absolutely um, amazing recordings that we managed to take, you know, from that particular Myris investigation. So that would be my favourite one. So I was, okay. ever since then, I've been really into the audio side of it. Yeah, but I think if you were to look at probably what people would say would be the most compelling evidence, it's got to be something people can see. Mm. You know, be that a photograph and video, even better, but yeah. also even harder to get, unfortunately. Yes, yes. You're mainly interested in looking for ghosts or exploring that. Are there any other um, things you look at in kind of the paranormal sphere, or what, what about poltergeist or anything? Do you cross over into any of that? Yeah, I think, well, in terms of Poles guys, I tend to lump them in with the ghosts. Mm. Um, you know, similar sort of thing, a spirit of some kind causing disruption in a home. <clears throat> but in this case, a poltergeist generally moves stuff around. It's yes. like a classification uh, of a ghost, if you like. What kind of ghost is it? Is it poltergeist? Is it other, you know, it, all sorts of other classifications. Mm-hmm. Um I was interested for a little while in the UFO phenomenon. Yeah, um, I was about to ask about that. And I went to a local local talk. There was an expert uh, not far from here, and he was doing a talk on, on you know, their <clears throat> UFOs and stuff like that. And I always thought these people were really technically advanced. They're going to check <laughs> in things through the skies. 
<clears throat> but unfortunately, they weren't. We, they, they knew less <laughs> about their equipment than the ghost people. So I, I was a little bit disappointed <laughs> yeah. from that. And, and some of the UFO stories, I, to be honest, I'd want to believe them, but they're mm. so out there, I just can't, can't keep up with, with what the claims are. So I, whilst I'm open-minded to that, and I think the likelihood is there probably <laughs> is alien life somewhere, yeah, um, I'm not so convinced that we all used to live in a star system called Andorra or whatever. <laughs> so yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. There's there's nothing that I really like. I think Anton does as well. Are aliens out there? Are they visiting? Obviously, the classic one there is Roswell, and um, there's yes. so much around yeah, yeah. that now. Um, and I know, isn't it like the original newspaper reports? said there was a crashed alien craft and like, a day later or two days later it was in a weather balloon and so you get oh, the yeah. conspiracies it's of cover-ups. It's a weather balloon, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. It's always a weather balloon, conveniently enough. Yeah, there's a lot of weather balloons around. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when there's a UFO sighting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Funny that. But no, I think it, it, it is amazing. I think there's, my, I can't say for sure, but my personal belief would say there is definitely something out there mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, and and maybe they just don't want to tell us because they don't want us to all like freak out or something i don't know yeah yeah and interesting things um earlier in the year from uh like the u.s government where they started maybe revealing a couple of bits of information um what was it like the tic tac video and some of those famous ones where they they said they don't know what it is yeah it's amazing and there's also I think there's the, the project, was it? Called? I can't think what it's called now. Project Blue Book or yeah. something like that, which yeah, yeah, is about drip feeding information out into the into the wider community. So slowly we get to know more of the truth, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting stuff. Um, do you have any questions, Anton? Uh, I think I've asked most of mine. Thank you very much. Um, it's been really... Uh, really good talking to you and getting an insight into what you're doing. But is there anything that you want to plug or anything else you want to tell us? Or, um, well, <clears throat> we are we're hoping to be back in Guernsey for 2022. Okay. Um, to to either be at the Underground Hospital or uh, back at Castle Cornet or back at Myris. Mm-hmm. Um, so if anyone's remotely interested in coming to look for ghosts with us, we'd be brilliant to see them and uh, keep your eyes out on our website. Or on our Facebook pages, where we'll when we get dates and we'll decide to to put it out to the public. That's where they'll be. Okay, fantastic. And your website it is what's it the hyphen pigs.co.uk. That's right, spot on. Brilliant. Okay, we will have links to everything in our show notes as well. Um, so, fantastic. yeah, thank you very much, Tim. Thank you for the time. It's been really, really good chatting to you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, it's been good fun to do it as well. So it's been brilliant. Thank you. That's great. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Good night. So what did you think, Anton? Did you enjoy that interview? Yep, that was lots of fun. <laughs> it was really good, wasn't it? And um, interesting to talk to somebody who uh, does something very different to uh, what we've kind of experienced ourselves. Yeah, and he seems to do it almost as like a hobby instead of being a complete ghost believer because um, he seems slightly... Yeah, he's still got that scepticism there yeah. um, and doesn't just... Uh, Tim doesn't just seem to believe every single story as he mentioned during the interview. So uh, yeah, really, really good. Hello, this is Future Me coming from the editing suite. And I realised I forgot to actually mention that Tim does lots of events. So if you visit the-pigs.co.uk, 
You can find about the upcoming events in places such as Worthing, Portsmouth, Tunbridge and Hastings and of course hopefully in Guernsey again very very soon. So if you're looking for a good fun paranormal night out, something a bit different, uh, give them a try. Sounds like excellent fun. It was an interesting like uh, I guess origin story for his original like um, why he started ghost hunting and stuff as well. Yeah yeah it definitely was. Um, I don't think he was expecting either taking that photograph and then when he got it developed, seeing this figure standing mm-hmm. there. And actually, um, next episode, as the continuation of our Halloween theme, we are going to go ghost hunting ourselves using the tips that Tim has given us. Yeah, but I'm very excited for that. Um, hopefully we'll see some activity. Yeah, are you scared at all? A little bit. Yeah, so <laughs> we, we've got some new sound effects, if you're wondering. Yeah, <laughs> like, we're just playing around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we need to get it set up properly. Um, anyway, so yeah, next episode we're going ghost hunting. But before we leave this time, we've got a few things to do. So the usual stuff is where can you find us on social media, Anton? Okay, so you can find us on Twitter and Instagram uh, and Facebook at Pod. That's right. Or visit our website, thecuriousityofachild.com, or our store to get your awesome merchandise, which is shop.thecuriousityofachild.com. We are also a member of the That's Not Canon Network, which is a podcast network, and we are going to play a trailer from another great show now. This one is all about cartoons. Ever wish you could go back in time to the Saturday mornings of your childhood, eating cereal and watching your favorite cartoons? Well, we don't provide the cereal, but we do have a cartoon time machine to take you to animated shows of the past, present, and future. And even just some stuff that doesn't exist, but wouldn't it be cool if it did? We're your animates, Katie and Scarlett, and we'd like to invite you to join us on our podcast, Cartoon Time Machine, releasing new episodes of Cartoon Fun Times every Sunday morning. We're two film majors who love to talk cartoons and get way too into them. So if you want to hear two adults getting way too invested in the world of Steven Universe. Or answering the age-old question of whether Sugar Mama would beat General Amaya in a fight. Or just trying to figure out what Tom Kenny voiced in every show. Tune in to Cartoon Time Machine, part of That's Not Canon Productions. See you there. Anton, what's your favourite cartoon? Um... I like Tom and Jerry, but I, I, I don't usually watch cartoons. Actually, you don't watch that many. I've got a memory of a cartoon from when I was probably about your age with these um, sheep, and they would sit on chairs and they'd go up and down, and there'd be this massive bank of TV screens um, mm-hmm. against the wall. And yeah, the sheep would kind of whiz up to a screen, and there'd be some emergency happening somewhere in the world. And they set, this was in a big kind of cloud floating palace type thing. And then they set out in their planes to um, rescue everybody. Not one other person has a memory of this cartoon. So if any of our listeners know what I'm talking about, please, please tell me because I think I'm going crazy. Mm-hmm. You can um, email us at hello at thecuriousityofachild.com and let me know and put me out of my uh, my crazy insanity. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway, I think that's the show, isn't it, Anton? Yep, I think that is it. So we'll see you next time when we go ghost hunting. Goodbye. Bye.